Today we're going to be looking at a um, new series dealing with the prophet Elijah. It's a challenging series. I think as you listen with an open heart, God's going to speak truth into your life about a lot of different things. have to do with our world today. And our world today has got a whole lot of things going on regarding standards, regarding right, wrong, regarding universalism, globalism, values for relationships, all kinds of things. You'll find in the prophet Elijah, you'll find a lot of commonality in the world that he lived in approximately 2,800 years ago. You find out something about people. People are people. People 2,800 years ago didn't have our cell phones or some of the other things we have and some of the clothing and things we have, but people are people. Down inside, we have the commonality of just being part of this human race and subject to a lot of different things, some of them good, some of them they're not good. Stay with us today as we begin this series with Elijah. Elijah, one man and his God. And we're not starting at Mount Carmel. We're not starting off in the spectacular and all that's taking place. We should get there. But truthfully, I don't even know how long this series will be. Began to work on it and thought, I I don't even know how long. And we will have something next week, you know, with Elijah. But I don't know if it's going to be three weeks, ten weeks, four weeks. I don't know. God can decide that. I'm open to him and his leadership. We have some college students that are back. Listen, they know. If they're not, they're on their way back. Welcome. Good to see you guys. I know schools will be getting... Thank you. There's one over there saying, yes, I'm I'm back. And others I know, when I look out and see Kevin, our high school students, middle schoolers, they can't wait to get back to school. There was one woohoo. That was it. That was it. That's as far as that is going, okay? I know. Listen, I'll be honest with you, transparent. I couldn't wait to get back to school for about three or four hours to see my friend, and then it was it, and I couldn't wait to get out of school, but it's just part of the story of life and a part of uh, maturing, be able to do that and mature and understand uh, there's some great things to learn. Well, let's look at 1 Kings 17, 1. Let's just jump right into this. There's a whole lot here. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. As we start this series, today we will cover part of just one verse. That's it. There's a whole lot there. We'll be in part of this verse. We'll pick up again next week with the next part of this verse. But for today, let's take a look at the people involved in this. First of all, thank you. Elijah. Elijah is a prophet approximately 875 B.C. to around 850 or so B.C. So he's alive during this time when someone comes on the scene by the name of Ahab. Ahab takes power around 874 B.C. It's a real historical people and a historical setting. The Bible is wonderful to give us the historicity. We can go back and look and say, yes, this is a real time in history. Elijah's name, what does his name mean? His name means God is Yahweh. El for God and uh, Elijah, Yah, 
God, my God, is Yahweh. So in his very name, it reveals something about his character. In your name that God has given you, it says you've been given a new name. You're a child of God, and we're to represent him, and he also is to be our God. Now, as we look at Ahab, um, the word of God says he said to Ahab, basically to go before a king in that day and time was a pretty big deal and uh, because it basically meant you're risking your life. You just don't go before the king. You had to ask and come in and do all of these things. And certainly you didn't want to come in and tell him something he's getting ready to tell him that was not good news. So basically, he had to get over his fears, get over his presuppositions that if I go and do this, I'm going to die. And there was a good chance that he could have. But he goes, he listens to God, and what we find in this passage, something profoundly true. Speak the truth. Let God handle the consequences. There is a motif that exists in this that is so true that the church needs to hear it today. Speak the truth. Let God handle the consequences. There's a lot of people that, don't, that know the truth and don't want to speak it. Many people out there that want to hide behind some kind of a shadow where they can still hold on to some of God and hold on to some of the world and hold on to this, that, the other thing. God doesn't need our loyalty divided. He's looking for our soul loyalty. Now, what is the background in this day and time? The background looks kind of like today. The background, the nation was filled with sin. They were worshiping the Baals, lots of different gods. As I said, people don't change. In our pluralistic world today where we have nations and pushes from international religious leaders to tell us everything is right, all is right. You can go on your phone, you can Google even for the European Union, it will have a poster from the EU and it will have um, a star, the shape of a star, with all the different world religions in it, even a hammer and sickle. And um, it talks about um, many voices, one tongue. Talks about we can all worship under the same star, Globalism, not just in Europe, all over the world. There's a globalist movement to do away with any kind of singular type of a worldview because what many people feel out in that world is that's what has caused a lot of wars, a lot of dissension. But here's the difference. Don't include biblical Christianity in that. We send people who are willing to die by letting someone else take their life to bring them truth. We bring food, we bring water, we build orphanages, we build hospitals, and let them know, not about how to try to live a life so they can earn their way to heaven. We bring the best news in the world about Jesus Christ and share that with them. They have every right to believe or not to believe, but at least we go and we declare the truth. And there's not many that want to stand in a singular truth, and truth by its nature is singular. And truth by its nature must be, it has to stand the scrutiny of, is that true? And of course, if you're here and you're listening, you can test the archaeology, the historicity, the voracious nature of prophecy, and see some crazy things that God has said would happen that are actually happening today. 
And so we see a nation filled with sin. It says about the times of Noah that people's every thought and their inclination was constantly upon evil. Their thoughts, their heart was upon evil. And today we see a massive movement where people are constantly thinking of another way to get around the Word of God. Everything's right. Everyone's right. Whatever you decide to do, you're okay. As long as, as long as you're happy with it, that's fine. Well, and in one sense, God allows that, doesn't he? But it doesn't make it right or doesn't make what someone's believing true. But in this day and time, you have what we see oftentimes in our world today, a nation that's filled with sin, and there are believers that are left. It's not only Elijah, but we have 7,000 people who are huddled in a cave in silent protest. Now let me step on some toes. You see the world. You see what's being decreed out there and what's being said. You know what's out there. And you know as a believer you stand for certain things. And I will say right up front, some of this message may just step on some toes or some may find it offensive. It's all right. Truth. You know, when I heard truth, it offended me. It offended me. Hear the truth about Jesus. Hear the truth about life. Hear the truth about standards. There's 7,000 people huddled in silent protest. I don't want to know where God's people have been all these years when all the things that have taken place have taken place. Now, rather than reflect on that and beat ourselves up, what I want us to do is to go forward today. I want today to be a catalyst. Listen to a message. Maybe God's calling you to be his personal representative. Let me change maybe to say he is. He wants you to be his personal representative, period. That's what Elijah finally decided. There was this rapid spread of idolatry and false gods. We're living in a nation where that exists, where truth is being crowded out. Can't tell the truth without being pushed into some label some identity label. You know what I love about the true and living church of the true and living God? No, you know what your label is? You're a child of God. Doesn't matter what the pigment of your skin is, how much money you have, how much money you don't have. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter when you came to Christ, young or old. If you're here, you're part of the family of God. We are the real United Nations. Amen? It's right here. That's your identity. Period. We don't have access to fight or battles to make over where you're from or what you look like or where you've been or how old or young you are. We want to know if, you're, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're part of the family. So in that sense, we truly represent God's ideal. But the world doesn't think that we can love them because we disagree with them. And I will tell you what, they're mistaken because we can. But let's see what his... Nature goes on to do right here because Elijah's commitment to God was 100%. It had to be because you cannot go before a king and decide, I'm just going to do this and, and, and everything will be okay. He risked his life. And this is not just any king. This is the eighth king of the northern kingdom, Israel. And if you read anything from the Old Testament, when you see this, worse king than ever before, that's saying something, okay? 
He is the worst. It says in 1 Kings 16.30, right before chapter 17 starts, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. You don't want that on your gravestone, right? That's not a good, that's not some good words to have on there. He is the worst ever. So, what happens? What happens is, speak the truth. Let God handle the consequences, period. Now, look at this, look at this next dynamic. He goes in and he says, as the Lord God of Israel lives. You have to be convinced that God is alive. You see, if you're really going to be God's personal representative, there has to be a conviction, a convincing, that there is a true and living God. There's a true and living God that created all of that we see. There's a true and living God that came to this earth. Jesus Christ, who died for sins, rose again, and offers eternal life as a gift. There's a true and living God that loves you, extends grace and mercy to everyone, but there's a true and living God that's also a judge. He will judge one day people purely on the basis of who they honor. Who you honor and who you serve will determine your, your future now and your future forever. If you honor and serve the one that died and paid for your sins... If you receive him into your life by grace and serve him out of gratitude and obedience for who he is, your future is determined to be with him as a child of God. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you don't, you'll be separated from him in a place called hell. That's what God says. That's why he tells his people to reach out, touch lives, because it's a real thing. People say, I can't come to grips with eternity in hell and God doing something like this. Wrestle with it all you want. Fight it all you want. The Word of God, which has proved true, the Word of God, which tells us about the nature of people, tells us that. There's a real place. And if you're listening to me right now and even disagreeing, let me say this to you. God is trying to get a message to you right now. And he wants, you know, the devil himself and your own flesh wants you to feel comfortable in your skin for what you believe. But I love you too much and I love God too much to let you be comfortable in that. Your own worldview will not take you to heaven and will not stand you before God righteously. He has to give you his righteousness that he'll impute to you by belief in what he has done, period. So here we have someone that says, as the Lord God of Israel lives, because it looked like God was dead. And I will say this to you. It looks like in our world today that God is dead in a lot of churches. When you find, these college students will tell you, the high school ones will also. Where's church? Churches are dead. Churches are irrelevant. Believers are irrelevant. We're embracing a new world order. We're embracing freedom. We're embracing science. We're embracing intellectualism. Listen, I embrace good science. I embrace good intellectualism. But here's the deal. You either come to the place like Elijah does and say, I'm convinced God, the God of the Bible, is alive or not. And it looked as though Ahab and all his company, they thought they'd put an end to the worship of the true and living God. And believe me, if we were living back in that day and time, we'd believe the same thing. A subnote here. Those of you that are single and thinking about getting married, Ahab makes a tremendous mistake. Okay, let me, let me offend more people here, right? Thank you. He marries a pagan. He marries a pagan. Her name is Jezebel. 
and he decide he no doubt he wants to please her, keep her happy, and they set up all of these altars to Baal all over the place. Young person, do not marry a Christian. Thank you. I got your attention now. Marry a dedicated Christian. Don't marry someone where you have to be a missionary and dragging the church, ask them to pray before a meal, ask them to act with some kind of a standard because there's lots of pseudo-Christians out there. And young lady, someone's going to fall in love with you and love you, and you're going to think, boy, they, if they really love me, they'll come around. And young man, the same thing. Both ways it works. Look and see if someone's truly serving after God. Are there some exceptions? If God has given you some exceptions to that, and you prayed through that, I have talked where God can work in different ways. So hear me saying that today, okay? Because sometimes God can work in ways that we can't figure that he can work, but he can. But I'm giving you a good basic principle for your life. He marries this pagan woman, and they made him gross miscalculation. They thought it was over. We have done away with Jehovah worship. We've done away with it. Then here's the exception. They forgot one man and his God. And what has happened in our world today, we've put power into the hands of certain people and have given away our own power to be what? The one person God can use on a college campus, in a school, in a workplace, in a neighborhood, or with our family. Because people don't like to make waves. We want to be comfortable with what we have. We want to say Jesus is the Lord of our life and then lower our standard to something else where they look at us and say, they must worship me or what I believe more than that because they're not even willing to risk a relationship. And that happens every single day. It happens in the workplace. It happens all over the place. All it takes in any generation is for people to come and understand all it is is one plus God. And we've lost the audacity to believe because, well, could I be that person? It's not about you. It's your connectedness to the true and living God, believing he's alive and stepping into that place. There's classrooms and colleges that need to be changed. There's workplaces that need to be turned upside down. There's families that need to be put to the test. We have to be that person that stands in there and says, God is alive. We value him more than anything because anything less than that is valuing the consequence more than the truth. God says, speak the truth, I'll handle the consequence. But humanity gets so concerned about the consequence, we decide we don't have to fully speak the truth. We'll compromise the truth a little bit. We'll stop from the truth, and we won't do what's right. And we find ourselves in a world like this, in one generation, that teaches basically anything's right. Cohabitation is right. We even let children decide what gender they're going to have. Our world has gone crazy. But let me just say it to you. It's because if there is no standard, in essence, I get it. If there is no standard, if there's no living God, if there's no source of truth, then anything is right, isn't it? And that's the world most people are embracing in globalism. They're embracing everybody's right, everything's okay. And you know what? If you want to float with the world that way, you'll find friends, you'll find people say, you're really open-minded, intellectual. We know that you just said these other people can't be wrong. And you know what they do? They let numbers equate truth. 
Numbers don't equate truth. However many people may believe in something that is wrong doesn't make it right. God makes something right. And you and I have a standard called the Word of God. This is what makes something right. And if everyone else stands against us, God's saying, I want you to be like Elijah. Everyone else may be hiding, but you are my personal representative. And if I've called you, act like it. Be that person. Speak truth. Let me handle the consequences. Elijah was convinced that God was alive. It says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Fundamentally, you and I are living in a world where education, most of education has debunked that. A lot of science, not all science has debunked it. There's great scientists that know and understand God did create it. This couldn't have just happened. But right there, You, as a believer in the Word of God, either come to the place you believe God did or not, and if God did, do it. If you can begin to start to wrap your head around what God did just in your own body and in nature, when you look around and say, I can't even believe all this fits together. When you believe and become so enamored with the fact that God is truly alive, that God loves you, He paid the price for sin and wants you to have an abundant life, so enamored that He's alive, then it changes your life. You see, are you convinced God is alive? And you can look at your journal. You can look at your prayer life. You can look and see how you're in the Word or not in the Word. You can look and see your witness and say, you know what? By all evidence, if there was a trial, it doesn't look like I'm convinced that God is alive. But that man put a price on it. That man said, I'm convinced he is. And no doubt had to come to that point where if his head was going to get cut off right then in front of the king, so be it. Get rid of him. But he was convinced. You can look through the word of God and many times revival started. God movement started because one person, someone like a Noah, someone like a Saul, someone like a Peter, one person, a Barnabas, steps out and a revival starts. Look in our nation. Look around the world. Because they become more enamored with the size of God than the size of society, the size of political correctness, the size of their own fears, their own issues. God is the God of our fears, and he says, fear only one thing, fear me, follow me. So do you believe God is really alive? Because if you believe Genesis 1-1, if you believe God did it, and the word of God already speaks volumes into our hearts, believe and live like he is alive, the fact is, And this is a very important question. How can someone convince their world that God is alive? So you can make it personal. You can put your name in there. How will Bill, Sandy, Sue, Kevin, how will you prove, how will you convince the world that God is alive? Anything we can do, what do we do? What's God looking for? God's looking for people that want to be his personal representative. Where you wake up and say, God, today, this is your day. I'll be your personal representative. God, I don't even know what that means. I don't have to know what it means, but I'm going to stand in the gap in my school, in my store, in my classroom, in my family, with my friends. I want to be your personal representative. That means not to slander him with our actions or our words. He's looking for that in stores, classrooms, businesses, campuses, and in neighborhoods. Do you want to be his personal representative? Because God calls me and you as believers to do that. Where does it say that, Pastor? Show me in the Bible. Okay, I'll show you in the Bible. Bring up that next passage. Thank you. Elijah says that 
as the Lord God of Israel lives, convinced of God's aliveness, convinced of it, I'm not sure that if people followed every one of us around, that people would be convinced of God's aliveness in our own life. Nevertheless, in the church. It's why so many have dropped and said the church is dead. He's looking for people who want to be a personal representative and take it personally. But he says, whom I serve. Elijah was convinced he was a, representat- a representative of the living God. There's a lot of people who are believers who are not convinced they're to be a representative of the living God. I say this to the person sitting in the furthest back and and up front and listening on the simulcast. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is what we are supposed to be. We're to represent him. We're a representative of him on earth. Word of God is very clear about that. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? When you go to another place, i.e. a foreign country, you stand for what that leadership, i.e. back in that day and time, a king would believe. You went there, you represented them, you taught what they taught, you believed what they believed, and you were there to represent that. That's what they do. And it says, as though we were making his appeal, he were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are his ambassadors, period. Not part of the silent 7,000, silent protest, complaining about everything and not being part of the solution. Not really believing that we are a person representative of God. But God says we are. You know what an ambassador is. Let's see. Whatever we serve, whatever we honor, determines our future. And so when we serve ourselves, serve our fears, serve whatever, determines our future here and in, 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 in eternity. If you decide, even listening today, well, you know, Jesus is good, but I don't believe in him. The Bible says, he that has the son has life. He that does not have the son does not have life. And if you honor your intellect above what the Word of God says, if you honor your subjective worldview above what the Word of God says, that will determine your future now and forever. So right here, even in this room, God is calling his people to get out there, to get out in this cesspool that exists in our world of ideas that are so errant, so crazy, that if I said them to you, even as much as 10 or 20 years ago, that'll never happen. We're not going to let children decide that. We're not going to have this as a rule. We're not going to define disagreeing with someone as a hate crime. But we live in that world. Believe it or not, Elijah lived in a world like that too. He lived in a world filled with sin, that more evil was done to worship all these other Baals. And here's somebody with the audacity to say, I believe God is alive. And if I go before him and I die, I die. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going into the furnace, and our God can save us out of it. But if he doesn't, we're going to go die anyway. They didn't rationalize it and say, you know, we're probably better off alive. We'll just tell him we believe that and not believe it. We'll tell him we believe and we'll worship Nebuchadnezzar and and, and we'll be okay because we can do more good alive than not. You know what? I'm glad someone didn't tell that to Stephen, because I still know his name. First martyr to church, right? Stephen, you'd do way better to be alive 
Let me tell you something. God can use your death. God can use your life. He can use you, use you losing your job, losing your credibility with certain people if you are faithful to him for the right reason and in his timing. God uses whom? He uses the ambassador to do lots of things. He's used brothers and sisters. He used Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. He had meals at their house, did miracles in their house. Just family. He uses the religious, Saul. Saul's running against the church, killing Christians, and all of a sudden he becomes a believer. What a crazy thing. He uses teenagers, Joseph in 27.2. He used the testimony where his brothers, his own family, sell him into slavery. But God, but God. Joseph went from a prison to the second highest command and the largest empire in the world within a matter of minutes because he followed God, God's representative. He uses soldiers. In Matthew 8, 15, 5 through 13, a centurion says, Jesus, my house, I'm not worried of you to be under my roof. Just say the word. Just say the word and my son will be healed. Find me in the word of God places where you can see Jesus being impressed like that. Jesus said, I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. See, someone had the audacity to believe in God. Believe God is alive. Believe there's a personal representation. Understand their own unworthiness. And God did a tremendous work in that house. Bring it up. Business people. Lydia, she was a seller of purple. Acts 16, 14. She ends up using her house to have Christians meet. Her and her whole household get baptized. He uses children, John uh, 6, 9, where a little boy has some fish and some bread. God used children. They gave what they had. He used fishermen. We know all about the disciples. He used government employees, someone like Zacchaeus, a tax collector. If ever someone was lost, particularly in that day and time, right? Robbing people. And God uses you, and he uses me problem is we listen to the wrong thing. We listen to our self-talk that lets our fears become bigger than God. We're not convinced. We're not really convinced he's alive. And we want to see the future change. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. If we don't change the present, how can we change the future? Hmm? And so I ask you in your life right now, what does your present look like? What is God doing through you as a personal representative of God? What is he doing? Are you convinced of his aliveness? Are you willing to go out and just say, you know what? If I lose all my friends, so be it. I can tell you. There was a time in my life, the friends that I had, I lost. I had, it wasn't for lack of trying. We're just not marching to the beat of the same drum, Period. And no, I wasn't going to get involved in some of the same things I wasn't involved in. I lost my friends, but I told them about Jesus. And I can stand before them one day if they haven't become believers. And God will use that and say, I brought the word to you. I saved the same person out of that same environment you were in. I pray that's not the case. And I have seen some come to Christ. But you see, you have to get over yourself. You're not God, and I'm not God. Elijah was convinced God was alive, period. We can't change the future if we're not even willing to change the past. We hope against hope. We huddle in caves, and there's someone that said, you know what? No, you're not going to do that. I'm going to stand there and tell the truth. God's looking for people like that. I'm not talking arrogantly. I'm talking foolishly. 
under the Spirit's guidance and leadership to do that, period. So who do we listen to? If people had listened to Tress Speaker, T-R-I-S, Tress them was his name, you probably haven't heard of him because unless you're a baseball nut like me, you haven't heard of this man. He was, and still is, he has the sixth highest batting average in all Major League Baseball history. Known as probably the finest outfielder, hitter in all of baseball history. His average, I believe, is 345, sixth all time. Incredible average, his lifetime average, incredible. And in 1921, depending on who you listen to, and if this person had listened to him, I wonder what would have happened. Here's what he said. Ruth made a great mistake when he gave up pitching. He might have lasted a long time and become a great star. Hmm. Hmm. Babe Ruth's name is on this bat, and because of his credentials, that makes that bat have some monetary value, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I wonder how many people in the world said, yeah, should have gone, he should have never done that. Some of the experts, some of the experts have said, Joe, you know what, if your family's going to disown you, you probably just need to stay there and minister to them because maybe you'll be more effective in your house. Maybe that'd be better. And it can make human sense to you. And sometimes that is the right thing to do if God's telling you. But I want to say this to you. How many times have you let the human sense supersede what the Spirit's been telling you? Hmm? How many times, well, this is not the right time to witness. This is not the time. And it never happens. Hmm? Look in the journal of your mind and heart. And that's why I'm saying today. God is looking for people that are not excuse makers. Not listening to what the world says. The prophets out there, boy, should it, he's, that's going to be a real big mistake. The Yankees have them. They're just playing them in the outfield right now. Play him in left field and right field, mostly right field. He, he, could, have been a, he could have been great. <laughs> How are those words lasting? And they come from an expert. Don't let the experts outtell what God's already told you. Don't think you have to be someone that's out there like a Billy Graham or Apostle Paul. Let God be God in you and your university. I don't know I have all the answers. God does. And his power through you. How do you convince the world that God is real? By having him work through you in real ways. Not hiding in a cave, hiding in a dorm, hiding in a business, hiding in a neighborhood, hiding in a kitchen. He says, let them know I'm alive. Let them know. Live it. Live the standards. Don't let people bully you not into praying in a public place. It's offensive to some people. You don't want to look like a fanatic. Yeah. You know who looked like a fanatic? Jesus, when he was a fanatic to love us on the cross. See, we've let the wrong things, the wrong things bully us into the cave of life. And we look at the world and wonder, what has really happened? Well, listen, if I'm not part of the cure, you know what I am? I'm a hypocrite. I'm one of those that are huddled in the cave and waiting for someone else to speak up. God's telling me and he's telling you, speak up. 
Speak the truth, speak it in love, but at least wake up every day and say, God, I'm convinced you're alive. I'm convinced I'm your representative, and God, use me today in some way. I'll keep my eyes open. And then, and then, and only then, when we do that and stop listening to the trust speakers of the day that want to denounce us, that should have stayed this way. You'd have had more friends if you did that. The church would do better if you just accepted everybody and said everybody's right. Your life would be easier. Don't live by biblical standards. Come out with us and party with us. We would, it's a lot easier to do the wrong thing, isn't it? But it takes a lot of conviction and courage to live like God's really alive. And if you're ever going to convince the world of that, if you're ever going to look out there and see these young children that are coming in our halls, some of you parents down here have your children downstairs, what world are they going to grow up in? If we don't change the present, how can we change the future? And so it's time to up it. It's time for everybody to up their game. It's time for everyone to say, you know what? I'm not just emotionally moved by this. I'm moved personally and say, God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try. I'm going to test you in that. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and say, I am your personal representative. I'm convinced about your aliveness. And I wonder what's going to happen. You see, some in this room won't even believe the nation could turn or a city can't turn. I'm glad Elijah didn't believe that. Because one day they were in the middle of idol worship. And wasn't long after that some crazy things happened. Would you believe it? As pastors come forward now, the first people I'm asking to respond today are people who are professed believers in Jesus. And if God has shown you you have not been convinced of his aliveness lately, not been convinced that you're called to be a a representative of his word, of his kingdom, of his standards, then God is speaking to you today to say, you know what, you've got to up the game. And today's a new day to do it. Forget what's behind. It's gone. The Word of God says forget what's behind. I press forward. How do you want to press forward to change the future? Change the present. And today is the present, and today is the now. Don't even wait for me to say, come forward. We're going to stand up now come forward. If you need to pray and ask for God's help, come to this altar or come to one of these pastors and say, you know what? My journal doesn't read like it should doesn't look like I'm convinced God's alive. I'm coming just to pray alone. I'm going to rededicate myself to that today. Today, if you're looking for a church home, here's the great news for you. There's no ambiguity today, is there? You'll either hit the door and burn rubber going down Lawndale Drive and say, that's it. Man's crazy along with the other people in that place. You decide, you know what? That's what God's Word says. That's not some make that pretty little story in the Bible so kids can have a little Mount Carmel and make a mountain and color something in. It's the power of the true and living God. And because we've lost some of the enamorment of that, because we've lost some of that, doesn't mean that God's lost it. Have it. Do it. Commit to it. And today, if you're looking for a church home, that'll also bring you forward. Because that's who we are. Not doing it perfectly. No one does but at least seeking to make a difference. If you have Christ as your Lord and Savior, and he has called you to be part of a local church, make no doubt about it, somewhere, if it's not this one, run and find one that's Bible-believing. Unless you don't believe the Bible, and you can find any place. And let me just put it this way. And if you don't, why would you go to church anyway? I didn't give a rip about that. 
Before I was a believer, I didn't care if people, oh, this, it's, it's not, there's a great feeling and there's other people there and everybody's right. What good is that? Hmm? If it's true, who needs it? If it's not, who wants it? God says, my way is the truth. I'm asking you today, if you haven't put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to what I'm saying. Jesus said the road to heaven is narrow. He told us the road to destruction is wide and many seek it. And you may be listening out there today. You may be in this room and believing, well, that's, they, they pay him to say those things about the Bible. But I really know with my understanding, I'll be okay. Dear friend, with all due respect, you're not okay. Jesus is letting you know once again you're not okay. If you stop breathing right now without Christ, just like a billionaire guy in a prison cell that supposedly took his life or whatever happened there, it doesn't matter how much you've gained or what it is or if you think you're a good person, the standard for heaven is perfection, and only Jesus can give it to you because he died and paid for all of your sins. You can put your faith and trust in him today, not in some system or not in some religion, but in Jesus, and he will save you. I'm asking you to stand now. I'm asking you to come forward and to respond. I'm asking you to do that through the Holy Spirit. Don't wait. You college students, high school students, you're getting ready to go back. Make a commitment to be convinced of God's aliveness and convinced you're his representative.